0: Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement analysis profession one episode at a time.
1: Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and today our guest has 14 years of law enforcement analysis experience with the Special Investigations Bureau for the Puerto Rico Department of Justice. She's a Spanish-English translator for both IALEA and IACA. She's an analyst turned special agent, turned professor, turned freelancer. She is law enforcement analyst, pride of Puerto Rico. Please welcome Dr. Agnes Apunte Munoz. Agnes, how are we doing?
0: Yay! Hello, Jason. Thank you for being invited from this conversation.
1: Very good. Thank you for joining me. How is Puerto Rico today?
0: I will say we have a lot of ups and downs because of the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. So we're still struggling with that aftermath. So I will say we are in the survivor mode and keeping going, you know, back and track and When you have the time, please visit Puerto Rico so you will enjoy our beautiful beaches and food. You're going to thank me later.
1: (laughs) All right. So is it getting into tourist season now?
0: Uh, Hurricane season starts on on May until November 30th. So we have a long period. So it's keeping you stronger because I i be there for the Hurricane Maria, so not having power light for a long month. and oh, wow. Living back to the basics, we don't have cell phone. You need to uh, have your plan and having, you know, meals you need to prepare. Every day go to find food, gasoline, even ice and from the law enforcement perspective they going out for long hours because my husband was a law enforcement officer over there for that time so I don't know where he's gonna be assigned what to do when he's coming back so it's very hard because we don't have any cell phone even messages to text so it's like a before you have a cell phone in the 80s so sticky notes okay today oh, I will be doing this and that so when he appears at home he appears so
1: oh wow that's that's so, tough and you said it's been like that for a month
0: I spent with without power light like, almost four months
1: oh wow
0: but the entire island is almost like a year to completely fall back again. And still today we having like a, our shutdowns because of the instability of the power light system. Okay. So I know how to go back to the basics, waking your morning, read a lot of books. So I put Super updated on um, all my book that I have it um, stacked to read it down and join with my neighbors talking about, I don't know, everything. And the the most beautiful thing is um seeing kids playing in the street. So that's something that you don't see now a lot. <laughs> and we wait until the night. So we are going back to sleep and waking up to the morning and start talking with your neighbors again. So that's part of the day by day during that hard times.
1: Great. Looks like you're making the most of it. All right. Well, let's go back in time then. Let's talk about how you discovered the law enforcement analysis profession.
0: So I will say it's like a little bit of accident because when I start with loving to the criminal justice field for it's going to be back to the 90s with the old stuff about law enforcement special. If you see bad boys movie, you want to catch the bad guys and everything and how to intel everything, how they keep in track to the information. So that's something that I like it. And also we have a super famous case in Puerto Rico named Cerro Maravilla. It's a case that hits a lot to the government in the 70s because it's the uh, murder of two independent political persons in hands of the parliament to the government. And in the 80s and in the 90s, they, tele- um, they put in TV all the process interrogations, interview and everything. So that's something that I like to the criminal justice. So I start my years of college way back to the early 2000s, and I made my bachelor in forensic psychology slash criminal justice. But my internship to the bachelor degree, um, my professor puts me on the Special Investigations Bureau, especially in the office on Interpol Interpol, Puerto Rico in the area of missing and exploited children so I made my internship for three or four months over there and they are looking at someone who can translate a lot of document English to Spanish Spanish to English and also a person who can talk with the cleaning houses in the United States so after I Finish my internship, I received a job offer. So since 2002, 2003, oh, until the 17th, I have spent most of my younger years in the Bureau. I worked as criminal intelligence analyst to the Missing Children Interpol. Making a lot of translations and also discover what means of intelligence analysis. So I take my courses, uh, keeping track of how to put that together um, when I'm making the cases to the special agent. And later on, in 2009, I con- I decide to change a little bit the, the way of investigation. So I move into the Organized Crimes Division and working like a daily with the undercover agents and Intel office development cases about organized crimes, firearms, drugs. You mentioned until 2013, I moved into the civil rights, but that it was as a special agent. Now working in cases related to the violation of civil rights uh, on behalf of the police um, officers. But at the same time, I have the opportunity to put in practice all my intelligence skills. So give me a lot of the play to have very good quality of, you know, reports, investigations before go to the judge and make cases supply. until you 2017 when I start to going, I decided to keep step that back as a officer and start my journey as a freelancing in both areas and education and also criminal justice advisor. So it's like a long No,
1: that's that's good. A lot to unpack (laughs) there. So let's go back here in two thousand three then. So you're dealing with missing children and child pornography cases and you're you're studying them you're assisting investigators with their cases when you're first starting as an analyst what are some of the issues that you're dealing with as you're learning the job and also trying to uh, work on these cases
0: so the first thing i never knows anything about shy pornography I know the concept, but putting in the child or kids or teen. So my first cases about in that field, it's very hard to me to understand the behavior, mm-hmm. understand the process of how agents need to make their cases because I can understand why people consuming that type of, of information, stuff. So under first, understand the intelligence cycle, uh, cycle, it's hard to me because when you come, when you came from the college, they don't teach you that in <laughs> that years. Now you're starting to look in something new, but we are super behind, especially in the college in Puerto Rico, we are super behind to put together or try to let people understand the importance of the intelligence analysis. So back to them, I have a little bit hard time because um, people understand how uh, you are the paper girl because you always sit on the desk. Yeah, but I keep in uh, searching, doing my research so I can have it enough information for you as an agent, special agents, prosecutor, understand the meaning of the process of the information you gave. Me. So I will say that is the first thing that uh, I confront when I start in my early um years in intelligence analysis.
1: Okay. Is it a lot of research on the particular suspects? Is that the type of task that you're being asked to do? You get you get an assigned a case, you're investigating a suspect and you're trying to find out as much about the suspect as possible
0: yes and also the research about the behavior and the criminal conduct that they're making that's something because it give you um sorry a little bit more information to the agent to understand or uh, to put in place When or how he's going to start their own investigation. So, making analysis about the person or the organization per se, but also about the behaviors uh, in the criminal field. So, give me a lot of understanding. And also, I have experience working to. Um, making genealogy um, three, family three. So that's something that I I like a lot because it's like a, a puzzle game where you need to figure out who is related to whom. So that's something that I always enjoy. And also back in my... The 2000 before I took existing art flow, existing and this old software doing a lot of telephone analysis by paper. I don't know if you have that experience, count <laughs> phone by phone, number by number. And if you don't reach at the end and finally you're missing one telephone number, you need to start over again. So, um, I like. That so when I have new students um, working in telephone analysis, I always put in the hard work and doing hand um, hand um, writing with the pencil with the highlighter before you go into the software. So they understand the hard time you having to reach telephone numbers back in the early 2000s i don't know if you have that experience but oh my I, goodness that just spend hours and hours it's yeah. it's super crazy
1: yeah so when i started around about this time i i started as an analyst in, in 2001 and we were getting paper copies of telephone mm-hmm. records
0: and now <laughs> the we big were once yeah big and we once
1: <laughs> yeah, and we were scanning, trying to scan them in, and then we'd have to work on cleaning the data if the scan didn't didn't do it exactly right. And so it was a whole process. I mean, it was a lot of work to just get one set of records into a database in order to analyze it. But uh, I, in terms of what you're talking about, where you literally just going through the paper copies and highlighting different phone numbers and tracking it that way. That isn't something that we necessarily did, but that is a technique that I've seen a lot of teachers do is deal with pen and paper before Mm -hmm. you go to the computer. So the students gets a full understanding of what it is that they're learning.
0: Exactly. That's something because if sometimes you don't have the software, you need to go back to the basics. I, I like sometimes go back. I, even I am fully software, computer, uh, savvy, everything. Sometimes I like to go back to the basics. I got you. It, it's it, even better sometimes.
1: So. so I also see on here something interesting that you also are educating children to prevent abductions so did yes. you go to, did you go to the schools and teach
0: yes that is my that's my first works and tasks as an intelligence analyst as part of the missing children and the office also part part is part my bad from NCMEC we have a program under the Interpol office missing children unit when we go to schools when we went to schools and teaching kids how to prevent the uh, adoptive. And we use the NCMEC guideline of the seven or eight steps that they were using in that time. I don't remember so for the rules, but I understand that it's gonna be seven or eight steps back with NCMEC. And we try to teach in, um, kids, especially in elementary school how to prevent to avoid to be kidnapped, and also they can identify stranger people mm-hmm. and how to keep their body safe. So if you don't feel comfortable to touching or say hi to a person or give me a key, so let the people know, let your parent know. That's something that I do. And later in the, I will say two thousand. 8 until uh, the 11 or 12, the Department of to have a full program over there in Puerto Rico when we go to school, but now in the middle and high school with different government agencies to teach about how to prevent to be bullied or how to keep you safe Online. So, we're using a lot of resources uh, from NCMEC in that kind. So, how to keep um, children safe in the online world. That's something that I made for four or five years. And the same time in that year, I started teaching officers, law enforcement officers, about criminal intelligence analysts, but most on um, Spanish. Because we have a lot of information on English, but of difference of the languages in our jurisdiction in Puerto Rico, sometimes a good police officer they have difficult to understand the English. So I we I start to train law enforcement officers with the. Um, St. Petersburg um, College, MCTFT, start to teaching um, law enforcement officers in Spanish language about the criminal intelligence um, cycle techniques and how they can work together.
1: So in terms of Puerto Rico, and in terms of missing exploited children and child pornography is there any aspect that you found that is unique to Puerto Rico and that the other parts of the world don't experience
0: so i will say now with the all access that we have to the gadgets i will say the difference of the intentions I what I like to explain is sometimes when you have when you see um photos about teen people posing on the you know social media, okay, you see posing, but sometimes the other side of the pers- uh, the media who is consuming that picture have another intention from these um pictures. And from that moment. Um, kids need to understand what is the intention of the picture that they post. And also, because it's the Caribbean, we have a lot of access to our neighbors' countries like uh, Dominican Republic, uh, St. Thomas, San Croix. So we need to aware that it's more easy to address our country because it's an island, so you have a lot of access. But I learned that in the of my career um, years, that child pornography is a high-consumed felony, and sometimes you understand it's gonna be for uh, undereducated people or um, poor people, and that is incorrect. I learned that child pornography is consuming to well-educated people, high, uh, you know, economy-level people. So we need to aware where uh, we are going to focus our investigation because sometimes we can um, uh, point in to some community because especially in that kind of crime it can be considered for everyone so that's something that i learned okay
1: good all right then then as you mentioned in 2009 you move on to organized crime when you think back at your time in this division, what were some of the, the growing pains or the lessons learned that you had transferring from doing these uh, child endangerment cases to then going working with organized crime?
0: So I will say I don't like to say no mercy with people, but would understand the behaviors of the people. That's something that I wish a little bit challenging because when you're working for missing children, you need to take care for that child, for that victim, because sometimes they don't understand what happened as a whole. So when I move into the organized crime, I need to understand, hey, you know what? That child who has grown in a difficult environment now is in that side, you know, committee on felonies, on making criminal behavior. So sometimes when we we track on cases and you go back to this suspect, you're going back on track under history, sometimes you see that that type of person have. Some parts of the year have uh, it was endangered, endangered um, kids. So it doesn't have a proper family support or enough service from the government or private sector. It's willing that this um, kid is going to be ended in the organized crime world. so that's something that uh, I learned and even um, one time we are making some arrests back to the years and we arrest this um, for example this um, young boy is like uh, 18 recently years and everyone focus. hey yeah we making this arrest uh, when I go back to over there to verify uh, everything is good to go and everyone missing hay. This kid of 18 years is taking care from his brother of 15 years because mom is working out of the home. So we cannot leave this um, 50 years old boy here. So what we are going to do so back on that year doesn't have a good plan. So we take the kid with us in another um, car and go to the police station and call them man and explain him. And I sit to this kid explaining that's happened if you're not going to the school, keeping good grades, understanding, you know, the process of life, you're ending like a, your brother. And that's something that you need to take care sometimes, just no focus on making arrest, 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 but the whole environment, when you're making arrest, you need to take care.
1: So we're dealing with illegal drug trafficking. What's some of the drugs of choice down there in Puerto Rico?
0: So we have uh, back on my years, we have a lot of cocaine, but mm-hmm. a lot of cocaine. Now uh, we are moving from cocaine to heroin, marijuana, fentanyl, um, metafentamines. We don't see a lot of crystal meth or methamphetamines um, for all, but we are dealing with a lot of cocaine, air rain, and marijuana. That mm-hmm. is, the, like I will say, the top three that we always um, working over there because Puerto Rico is a hub island to connect to United States. So the South America, like Colombia, Venezuela, even Panama, Dominican Republic, use a lot of Puerto Rico Island, like a hub to export to United States and even to Europe. So we are in a good strategically position, even in the globe. So we can um, export to different areas of United States and Europe. So that's something that always Puerto Rico is under the higher um, radar because it's a good hub spot.
1: And then with the organized Crime are the particular groups by name, or are they just you're just targeting the the head of the group, or how does it? What kind of groups are you dealing with?
0: So, because of the access or absent of resources that the jurisdiction Puerto Rico have, we have dealing a lot to the federal jurisdiction. So, I will say in our years, we always target to the middlemen. Not especially the high levels, because we have a lot of MOUs with the federal agency. So a certain type of the investigation, if you exceed some um, arrangement that we have, you need to work with the federal agency. So I will say during my years, we're working a lot with the middlemen. In your organization, I've been explaining. So when you are going to target higher targets on the criminal organization, even an organized crime groups, we need to work together with the federal agencies. And because of the process, because of the penalties and the sentences, federal jurisdiction are are more severe on that on behalf of our laws in Puerto Rico. So sometimes we need to uh, send the cases to the federal agency so they can prosecute in that better way of uh, our laws give no, we don't have, like I would say, enough powerful tools to be in compliance in that way. But sometimes um, we work to the federal agency, for example, we have cases that the, uh, if you are going to punish someone for criminal cases, federal agencies have a lot of tools, so they don't have any arrangements, so they're going straight to the jail, for example. Uh, Angelo Millones is one of the top uh, law guides in Puerto Rico who was arrested by the federal agencies. He's now sentencing for life. I understand he's located in California, one of the jails. And uh, we have, from the 90s, we have West No Moreta. We have a lot of lords. I would say like a lot drugs that we have in the 90s and the 20 and the 2000, 2010 2010. That now they are serving life sentences in the United States because we don't have enough powerful um, tools to prosecute them in our jurisdiction Puerto Rico.
1: Just moving on to you becoming a special agent, what made you transfer from being an analyst to being an agent?
0: So I would say in 2009, no, eight, nine, I will say nine, the Puerto Rico government, suffered economy economy um, restructure that we still suffering today, and the government start to cut a lot of opposition. And because at that time we only have two Intel analysts in all Puerto Rico is why my partners Kay and I, they decided to cut it out because they understand we are not essential. So we make our appeal, so we go back to the job. So to avoid in the future, be cut out again. So I move into the position of special agent. So I, my position can classify as an essential. So that's I, what I make the moving. But I still have in the position special agent, but doing a, a lot of tasks as an intel analyst. Okay. That's it's like a sweet sour because I like it, but because of the instability of the economy uh, in the government in Puerto Rico, so I need to I need the necessity to take that. Hmm.
1: Okay, so then d- did you go through special training to be an agent?
0: Mm, more like I uh, will say theory a lot of theory never have like a academy okay. because. I will say the lack of resources and everything. I don't have like a former pass to the academy. They put an academy for the new ones in like a 2020. It always said the last academy that the Special Investigations Bureau have. So I, I left the agency the 2017. But like in theory and practice, I would say I have it, the experience because i work with a good a special agent that treats me with respect and let me know, hey, you need to do this, do that. Everything goes through, but like a formal academy, I never have the opportunity to assist.
1: Okay. So, so then is it still working in the office or are you more on, out on the field now?
0: Now I am more, I will say, like a balancing as a freelance, working as an advisor in the criminal justice, law enforcement field, but also working as an educator because back on my years because of the lack of content in Spanish, I started teaching law enforcement officers in Spanish. That is something that I liked a lot and doing all the translation, curriculum, the academic research, that's something that I liked a lot. So at the same time, I was a former special agent on Intel. I also start to um, teaching professionals on um, law enforcement officer and criminal justice in, in that area. So I'm start to move into the educational field, consulting, advisor. So I make my PhD in e-learning instructional designer. And now having an opportunity to work as a freelance when I leave my when I leave the agency in 2017, I will say it's like a month before Hurricane Maria's hit. So I never understand how the words compares to me <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's something that I always still thinking, wow. I, it's like a month separately before the hurricane hits, and when I resigned to the agency, to be working myself as an instructor and training, especially uh, in the criminal justice, law enforcement, intelligence field, it does something that I like it a lot, and because of the lack of opportunity to Spanish speakers. Um, person to access information so I see a lot an opportunity in that area so that's something that I now I'm um, still doing now. Hi everyone it's Yorissa Walsh so today I want to leave you with a, a quick advice when you send out something to either your investigators or your team please ensure that you format. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves and things that I have noticed is when analysts actually send out a lot of their work, uh, whether it's PDF or words or any briefing, and the work is not properly formatted. So I will give you that advice and leave you with that to think about. Hi, this is Kristen Lottman. And my public service announcement is to say Get your face out of your phone and your fingers off your keyboard and make that face-to-face contact because that's how you'll connect with other people.
1: I I guess I should have asked you this a while ago. When did you learn English?
0: Uh, My years public school. Right. Reading a lot of newspaper and I am super fan of Lower Northern SBU. So they keep in 20 seasons. I keep in within twenty twenty two seasons. So. I learned a lot of my English scene television, uh, especially uh, Laura known is super fan. But <laughs> reading a lot, no, yeah. People say where you ha- you learn your English because you have your accent strong, mm-hmm. but you have a good English. I would say I am super fan on SVU, Olivia and Elliot, a whole team now. So I so the scene season went nineteen ninety nine. So until now, I am—I will say—the super first fan of them. So it's give me a lot because they use a lot of special kid words that we use in our field. So give me a lot to understand and improving my English because I keep in doing improving my English.
1: And then when you're teaching as a special agent, when you're when you're teaching for the investigative. Bureau there are you doing both Spanish and English or is it just Spanish
0: no I have the privilege to do in both okay. so more in the Spanish but I have a privilege on working on both yes
1: in Puerto Rico given that there's a there's a lot of tourism When you're working these cases, and this can get, I guess, going back even to the child pornography days, endangerment cases, dealing with the organized crime, is there a difference to your approach if you're working a case that just involves folks that are just from Puerto Rico? as opposed to cases where it's dealing with international influences outside of Puerto Rico, but in Puerto Rico?
0: No, I would say we don't have like a much difference, but you need to see any case as an individual because you never know. Mm -hmm. So I will say don't see enough of different, but, you know, every case is different and you never know where you're going to end it, so... It's like a a road that you never have the opportunity to see the end until you finish your case. So
1: yeah. Do you have a favorite case that you worked on?
0: I like to work. On um, depends. So I like a lot to work organized crime because I like the process of brainstorming, creating charts, intelligence products. I like a lot, but at the same time, in my years on am working in the civil rights um, section. So go to the crime scene, see the body, see everything. That's something that I like a lot. Unfortunately, I still miss it until today. I like to go to the crime scene. I don't want everybody um, tell me what happened. I want to see the body. I want to see the evidence. So I can make my own appreciation and write my own findings. So that's something that I I miss a lot. And when I say a lot, it's it's something that I'm missing. So... But it's like a, it's like a something like a super mix because you're making your, I am blending like a criminal stuff with intelligence analysis, so I miss that feel. Uh, to be honest. When I resign and leave the agency, I miss the field. So that's something that I keep in doing a lot of consulting advice because that's something that we can keep attached to the field of criminal justice, but at the same time doing something to be a better um, field so from the perspective of e-learning and education so provide my services and my skills to the best interest of the field that's something that I like to do a lot so okay
1: and when you're talking about the civil rights portion that's something that you were doing later during your time with the mm-hmm. bureau 2013, 2017. And mm. those deal with police involved shootings or violence that exactly. you had to investigate. So that's where you're going to the crime scene and you're talking about looking exactly. at the body. So then your role there is to help the investigation determine whether the violence was justified?
0: Exactly. So as a special investigation, we were part of the Puerto Rico Department of Justice. We have this office working on behalf of the Puerto Rico Police Department to investigate cases related to shootings involving police officers. So they have like another agency and people on the society don't expect. Ah, oh, the Puerto Rico Police Department is investigating, so they will tap in everything. No, we have like a, a side agency that we work on behalf of the Puerto Rico Police Department, so we present the cases to the Justice um, Department, to the Secretary, to let you know, okay, is that is a violation, not violation on the shootings? So yeah, we have like a, another office that we we are take and um, care of that type of yeah. investigations.
1: So uh, how often do you get cases in which the the violence was considered not justified?
0: So I will say to be honest and be very careful in that time. Uh, we have like a, a balance of, I would say, five or six. But we need to understand the Puerto Rico Police Department is under uh, reform since 2012. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of information in the Internet. So we haven't spent like uh, 10 years trying to reform. Trying to reform the Puerto Rico Police Department, having a better standards on how they need to do their work, we have a long way to keep being track back again so now i will say we have cases that the police commit or use the force strictly you know in compliance with everything that we have others know but now because of this on reform our office the cases are be lowered but you having a lot of information of The reform last week, we celebrate the Puerto Rico Police Department, and I make a post in my blog about the who is benefit of the reforms, because as a civil person of Puerto Rico, I don't see like a good improvements so I made like a opinion about the, what the reforms need to be addressed so the Puerto Rico society feels more comfortable to the police and the police agent who going out every day needs to be sure they have the better tools, the better knowledge so they can um, put together and doing their job the correctly way so I invited you to see that post in my website. So it's gonna be helpful to you to understand the I will say the big problem about our criminal justice system in Puerto Rico, also including you know the lack of trainings and tools that we have from the Puerto Rico police perspective view.
1: Okay. And uh, yeah, we'll put a link to, in the show notes so people can get more information on that. Thank you. Excellent. All right. So then you move on, then you become a professor. How did you enjoy that experience? And Because it's online training, so are you working from home at this time?
0: Yes, I have the opportunity to work from home with my four-legs assistant, Olivia, who's the <laughs> name, you know, if you see her name is Olivia, it's because of the law enforcement, mm-hmm. the law and order on show, so I am super fan of the Olivia character. <laughs> <laughs> So I have the opportunity to work from home, any part of the country, that's something that I enjoy a lot. And because all things of the COVID gave me a lot of new tools that I learned to um, improve myself and working remotely, but at the same time, you know, keeping my roots to the Spanish community, speakers about criminal justice, law enforcement, uh, intelligence issues. So that's something that I always keep in posting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Olivia is cat or dog?
0: A dog. she's a Chihuahua mix. She was rescued in 2018. She's the love of my heart. After my oh. husband and everything, but oh, she's she's my assistant. I always say she's talk to my assistant so she can let you know. <laughs> oh.
1: So, so what did you enjoy teaching the
0: most? Well, because I always uh, be a full student until ending life. I would say. When you sit to a group of people or students and start having this conversation about how is the, I would say, uh, start, you know, sit in the class and start having a conversation with the student, how do you think about the job or law enforcement and you can understand another perspective. So having the, that kind of conversation and how people think about our jobs in the law enforcement community, police science community, that's a lot of the talks that I enjoy in the classroom. So when you're going online, you having people from everywhere and sometimes you have family members taking the classes <laughs> so not just only the student because sometimes and, and as happened, is the kids is the grandma is the partner and they join the conversation and that's something that I, I also like it because they feel it they understand it they, su- they are supporting supporting the people who still um studying the um, they feel some that's something that I like to do, and sometimes they enjoy you know, when I start to um, talk in my Spanish and start to mix it, English and Spanish talks on words. Okay, she's now on her thing, so that's something that they enjoy a lot.
1: Yeah, and so since this is online, is this something linked to a Puerto Rico? college or is this something outside of puerto rico
0: no when i used to teach i used to teach online i most of them do uh, did it in puerto rico mm-hmm. so uh, yes, if full in Spanish, you can go to the website and see the college that uh, I work at. But most of them was in Puerto Rico and some of, uh, because it's online, they enroll in the college in Puerto Rico but, but they are some from on other countries. And they okay. enroll in Puerto Rico because we are part from the United States and you we have more recognition and everything. So that's mm-hmm. something that online work gives the opportunity. Oh, nice. and, and that's giving opportunity to me because in 2018, I made my postgraduate degree in intelligence studies and I flew to Madrid, Spain to be like a five day because it was a postgraduate degree in intelligence studies. I made it completely online, but at the same time, you know, take time, I flew there to Madrid and spent time with mine. Um, colleagues and professor and that was super nice because the experience it's amazing uh, you know um, studying another country it's always a good it's a good feeling I like a I lot that experience I, I just I am expecting to do it again in the few years because I'm looking to make another Postgraduate in organized crimes too. That's uh, a subject, a topic that I, I like it a lot. Right.
1: Is there something that you wish you could change about the the college teaching as it relates to a future criminal justice profession? <laughs>
0: I, I have a lot to say let me see
1: when
0: I, I will say honestly and with the most respectful opinion, we need to redo the whole curriculum attached to our days. We never uh, we never forget our the history the history is part that we are doing today. integrating courses related to criminal law, interrate, Courses related to intelligence analysis to understand the skills. I also will include critical thinking skills. I will also include technology classes because sometimes people underestimate personnel who study criminal justice. And when they go outside to find a job, they have struggling issues because they don't have enough experience. They don't have the technology skills that they need supposed to have. So I will say we need to go back update the curriculums to uh, award and what is now in the demanding. So having a lot of technology skills, understanding the intelligence cycle, not only applying, so understand how to apply each stage and understand the meaning and how you can apply the intelligence cycle in other areas, for example, for education, for business administration, um, for medicine, for sports. Now I'm starting uh, research about how to implement intelligence analysis in the e-learning world. So how to apply each cycle on the intelligence to development um, courses, curriculum, And uh, you will find a lot of similarities of them. And also, I will say something that I, I seen in the job announcement related to criminal justice project management skills so like i say it's like a a lot we just only focus on the laws we are focused on the procedure that's super important but how we balance that with the civil rights now everything after what happened after all the reforms that we in the police in different states after all these cases about bias that's something that we need to include okay good all
1: right, let's get into a general conversation now about the, the Spanish influence to law enforcement analysis. Because I want to get your perspective of how you see analysis through the, the eyes as, as someone being from Puerto Rico.
0: So I would say we have road to do because sometimes people understand that the intelligence analyst is look the information through the system and CIC, you know, all the system that we use and provide and print information and you make the intelligence like a, like a magic formula and that seems incorrect. So... I will say from the perspective of Puerto Rico, we have a lot of opportunities to develop a good um, intelligence division office, and how to, can we can um, integrate our um, brothers and sisters' um, countries? So how we can work together, sharing exactly, uh, for example, information to Dominican Republic, to the Virgin Islands. There's a lot of work that we need to do because when we need to understand what the means of intelligence analysis and how is that you need to understand the process, you will see that you can produce a proactive intelligence content on behalf of reactive intelligence content. So now I will say we are in the position that always uh, we creating reactive intelligence content. That's mean that we are reacting for an issue and making the intel information and we are not prepared to making proactive intelligence, you know, using strategic intelligence, using operational intelligence, just you can have enough information to plan into the future, having a good public program, I will say, let me say when I think thinking in Spanish, I will say you have a good plan how to prevent crime. So you need a lot of proactive intelligence so you can develop a good plan and execute a good plan aligned to the standards, the needs of your country or your state or your city. So we are now in the reactive and size. so how i will say the big if and the big gap is how to move into a proactive environment intelligence
1: so when you're talking about reactive this is a scenario where okay you get a target and you're trying to identify going back to your organized crime days as an example you have a mm-hmm. group you're identifying the group that you know have done something wrong, and you're building a case against them, you know that they've done something wrong. Proactive to that would be something where you're studying the city and identifying where gaps or mm-hmm. where maybe a future event is about to happen. And then exactly. preventing preventing that from occurring.
0: Exactly. And also another thing that I always see from Puerto Rico, and this is my opinion, is that we need to see another intelligence models around the world we have a lot from the american intelligence model but we need to see for example for hero we need to see from south america from argentina from panama they have their own intelligence system And we need to capture the best of the best, including United States, so we can align the best of the best to our needs in the prevention of crime. And as you mentioned, uh, having the opportunity to create proactive intelligence, aligning to our needs as a jurisdiction, our need as a law proceedings, criminal law. Stuff that we have, that's something that we need to address urgently because unfortunately we are rising a lot of crimes and the rate of resolved cases are so low. So people doesn't have faith in our criminal justice. So I am very believer of the proactive intelligence and how to align into our needs. Not just only from Puerto Rico, but every jurisdiction, how they can use the best of the best around the world and put in practice from the best interests of the, you know, keep the society safe. Hmm.
1: What do you wish analysts would do to be more proactive?
0: I will say understand the difference between the careers of intelligence analysts and special agents, because there are two different um, skills in the process. And people um, give enough space to understand our jobs. Like I say, it's not only you know looking information through the through the computers or system. Is analyze, is interpret the information. How to put together? How we can develop information with findings, with facts, with information? That's something that we need to. That is important for
1: yeah how do you think police departments, intelligence agencies can help out analysts identify the gaps that we were talking about before in proactive analysis?
0: I would say if we have enough access to the facts to the numbers, to the information. Sometimes it's good to interview or, to, or having a brainstorming to the police officer, the patrol officer that they are every day on the street. Sometimes if the supervisor doesn't interview, doesn't have a good briefing or debriefing with their um, team, you have a lot of information because they are patrolling every day. They see, they hear, so and. Needs and access to that type of information so they can understand the behavior on the streets and how people are, bad guys are improving ourselves because now I don't know if you have if you see about bad guys. They making their assignments, bad guys organizational a crimes organization, they are making their assignments. They doing intelligence. They looking from the internet, they improving those skills. So if we're not as an agency, as an officer, as an intern, if we're not taking that as a good perspective to how to deliver a proactive, we are continuing development on, you know, bad intel. I would not like to say bad intel, but not uh, successful intel. Because now, because of the access to the internet and the information, criminal organizations are doing their job of intel, and they know the cycle. I don't know if you see that, but I see a lot on how they improving the organization management the risk assessment the management how they can improve the organization that's something that I read it a lot and when you go back to the roots and understand their behavior they are starting like us so that's something that I see a lot
1: and then in terms of getting the different spanish speaking countries together what what do you think needs to happen there to get all these intelligence agencies from central and south america and in the, even the caribbean together
0: i say how we balance the information from, uh, I will say, jurisdictional um, perspective, political perspective, also uh, influencing the criminal justice um, matters. So in my experience, when I read information reports, research about intelligence cycle in Spanish... And putting or make the translation to English, people can expand their knowledge because sometimes see some issue from another perspective, but they doesn't have the skills to how to translate or the how to share because of the language barriers. So I will say that gives me a lot. Uh, one time, um, I have a class. When one of the English speakers and students uh, asking me, hey, what is the difference with the English and Spanish intelligence? I would say in the process is nothing because we are using the same cycle, but the how they can interpret the information, they have how they can apply the cycle and understand and see things from another's perspective. They give me a lot of new information that sometimes as uh, uh, we're using the American cycle, we're using the European cycle, we can pass or we can miss it or we don't take that in like a oh, it's going to be a good thing or bad thing that we need to address that. So having, I will say, the privilege to know both languages gives me a lot to understand and expand my knowledge, vision, perspective on how to apply the cycle because there's a lot, especially you know, the Colombia intelligence, after all the happened with Pablo Escobar, they structured the whole entire thing. Also, with Argentina, with the Eva Perón um, area, Panama, Madrid, Spain, also thing made it. After the 2000, I will say three or four um, bumps on the train, they redo everything about the intelligence. So there's a lot of things outside there that we need to keep the perspective to improve ourselves, you know, expand our knowledge and skills and spread it out.
1: Okay. Good. And as mentioned in your intro, you do translations for both IALEA and IACA. And I know when we were talking in the prep call, you had mentioned that you're starting in Spanish in your head and then translating over to English. Even when you were having a, like an English conversation, now you're still uh-huh. innately starting <laughs> with Spanish and then working your way over to English. So I guess, as you're doing some of these translations it, it, you know can you think of a time where maybe a particular unique experience happened or maybe some outrageously funny uh, occurrence happened?
0: Oh yes, yeah. sometimes quando <laughs> when, uh, when people send me content to made the translation, hey, I made like a translation you, you know using the usual um translator google's yes. stuff and <laughs> when you read the translation you say what <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you need to go back okay send me the original in English to understand and you need to balance the wording to have a better flow on the message so sometimes <laughs> you see <it>. a <laughs> You see a lot of words that uh-uh, we can use that word, we can use that <laughs> word, because sometimes in countries, uh, some Spanish words, um, means are just completely different, so you need to balance the meaning and the wording, so yes, I have a lot of that, but I always asking, okay, send me the English, the Reginas, mm-hmm. and always you are looking to me to talk to the person okay what do you want to say what is the meaning that the, the message that you want to translate it to the people what do you so because that is important in the process of translating um information so you I don't want to people lose the focus on the meaning or the message that you want to translate so for me that is important and other times I You know, hablar español, and people can understand, so.
1: Is there a particular word and phrase that just does not translate very well into Spanish?
0: Words like uh, assets, words like, this word that we use. Person of interest Mm. that we use in in Spanish, we say persona de Mm interés. And that's something that in Spanish we don't use a lot, but because of the English and speakers use it a lot, Spanish start. Okay, persona on the persona de interés. So if you don't have any evidence support evidence to call this person, uh, to call this um, sub, sub, uh, subject personal interest, we don't use it a lot. But because in English, it sounds super nice, super fancy, people <laughs> say, oh, personal interest. So that's something that we, we use. So when the lawyers start to make hinder, yeah, why are you calling persona de interest if you don't have enough evidence to support that? So that's something that sometimes, you know, when you go so, to trial.
1: Yeah. Does that get lost in translation? Do they, do some people not recognize that a person of interest means that they're a target mm-hmm. of investigation? It means something to them totally different when you say that, <laughs> hey, or well, that that person's interested uh, you know how does that work yeah,
0: yeah because in we try to use a uh, uh like uh, the wording in spanish okay if this is the suspect or not the suspect that is the two things that we use but now we're using the phrase personal interest or uh, personal interest like uh, it's giving you a meaning but that meaning can damage your, I would say, uh, uh, damage, you know, like the persona who you are, for, for example, at the end, you are never... Related to the case, but once upon a time, you was target at the personal interest. So that is going to be follows you. And because of the old social media, that stuff stays, you know, forever and ever in the media. So it's like a sometimes a little bit of damage that we need to keep in mind. So for me, I like to say subject or not subject okay we have um multiple person that we're still investigating and we still analyzing and everything but said that I am very jealous about using that I know in the American law they use it a lot but because now you can damage the integrity of the person and from the civil perspective another way so I like to be very calm Uh, if I don't have enough evidence to target, uh, for example, Agnes like a subject, um, personal, if uh, I will not target Agnes as a personal interest. So it's like a wording law proceeding that use, uh, that lawyers use a lot
1: good and then I guess do you have any advice for English speakers that are trying to learn Spanish
0: always uh, enroll to good quality Spanish classes because we have now a lot in the social media but sometimes the meaning in Spanish are not the same in the different Spanish speakers countries around the world so keep that in mind so I will say and I will say that so so keep in mind when you're speaking in Spanish so be aware you your dictionary people doesn't your dictionary now I keep having me yeah I am old school girl because sometimes Google translator doesn't do the job correctly
1: yeah well you need to, you need to be the Agnes Spanish translator there and compete with Google
0: no I don't want to compete with Google but sometimes you like I said you need go back to the basics and you a dictionary sometimes when you're reading and make the translation you say what (laughs) so that's something that I have sometimes so I will say Hey, Spanish, uh, there are a lot of people around the world who speak Spanish. So I now I am teaching, I am working with a college on um, teaching students Spanish. So you will see that a lot of people, different ages who are learning Spanish, you will see, you will be surprised the amount of people who likes to um learn Spanish. So and I'm nice. learning a lot because I learned another words in Spanish that we not use in Puerto Rico, but we can use in other countries. So I'm still learning my Spanish and, and growing my Spanish. All
1: right, very good. Well, our last segment of the show is words to the world. And this is where I give the guests the last word. Agnes, you can promote any idea that you wish. What are your words to the world?
0: I would say, first of all, I'm very serious about peace world. We need to be in peace. I would like society understand the law enforcement communities. I like people to believe on our job and how we can do and always growing to be a better person in our profession and, you know, be seen visiting my space when you have the time in the e-learning work
1: all right very good well i leave every guest with you've given me just enough to talk bad about you later (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad you got that but i do appreciate you being on the show agnes thank you so much thank
0: you for me from this invitation when i the first time when i received the email to be invited you say what I start like a, you know, a, a gritar for uh, for my whole home it's like a woo! I am, oh my God! I start to dance. Woo! woo. <laughs> so I am very proud. It's a honor to me to be here today. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. You can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest, please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Till next time, Analysts. Keep talking.